Welcome everybody to the Pierce Point Podcast. Today we are rolling into Luke chapter 14 and as we've begun over the past few podcasts, we're going to um, bring in some of our conversations, some of our comments and questions and thoughts into the discussion as we um, as we arrive at particular verses. Uh, one thing that I did want to share uh, as we jump into this right off the bat was a message that I received from Bettina Clust, uh, and it's unrelated to Luke 14, but very, very powerful uh, in what it speaks to with studying the scriptures and reading the scriptures. She said, Hey, Nathan, I just wanted to share that last night while we were reading Genesis 3 for Anna's youth group homework, I have read this chapter before. However, when Anna read chapter 3, verse 22, it was the first time I remember hearing this part. She said, I love the fact that reading the Bible each time gives you something new. I think that that's an amazing thing. Yes, it is. And the beauty is that that will be the case until we are with Jesus. We are going to continue <laughs> to grow and continue to learn uh, all manner of different things. So today we are looking at Luke 14. So we're just going to jump right in. What stands out to you first? Well, sir? we are in another situation where... Jesus has uh, gone to the house of a Pharisee. These guys must be gluttons for punishment. Uh, I don't think he invited himself, but there may have been a little, little bit more of a motive on his on his part. Maybe we'll 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 see. Uh-huh. But one of the things that well, let, let me just run through this first verse really uh, quick. It happened that when he went into the house, one of the leaders of the Pharisees. Uh, on, house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, they were watching him closely. Now, you know, it is, it's interesting that, that Jesus never seemed to refuse any offer uh, or invitation or hospitality from the, he, he wouldn't even refuse it if they were kind of a known enemy to him. Yes. And these guys were known. It, it's, it's, it's very clear that he was on mission to these guys. Yeah. And so he, he would go whenever they ask. Absolutely. Very, bring, very interesting point. You're bringing up a fun, fun perspective here that says, this is the Jesus who we see over and over in scripture uh, that knew the motives of their heart. Yes. We, see, we read this over and over. And so even when these people are intending to catch him, yes. they're, they're plotting, Jesus still goes. He's He very much... Uh, is going to carry out the mission for which he came. A couple other things in that first verse, uh, which I find amazing, are number one, he goes to one of the leaders of the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. Many scholars would conclude that this was a member of the Sanhedrin, so some sort of kind of high-ranking person. The second thing, we spoke on this a couple of podcasts ago when we talked about that eating bread was a was a um, a phrase that was talking about a meal. Mm-hmm. Here, it wasn't literally that he invited him on the Sabbath just to eat only bread. It right. was to break bread. It was to it was to have that meal together. And then um, again, that really important indicator here: they were watching him closely. Yeah, yeah. And to think that Jesus didn't know that. I think is absurd. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think he knew that, but I think he did. But we go from there. It is. It's. It's also uh, uh, important to to talk about that. And you had mentioned this. This guy does seem to be one of the Sanhedrin. And here is the. Here's an interesting link. I think that just just kind of caught my attention. The Sanhedrin was actually seemed to be formulated. Uh, the Mishnah or the oral traditions of the rabbis believed that the 70 elders that Moses uh, had had been associated with in the government of, uh, of the Israelites, they believed that the Sanhedrin, through the Mishnah, that they had said, well, this was what that was about. They further described what Moses was doing. So that's how these guys even came yes. to be. So anyway, they, and uh, yeah, that's very, very interesting point. I absolutely love that because it just kind of sets uh, sets some backdrop to where these things come from. And another another piece that 
uh, I think really is fun to think through is that visiting speakers, this is an interesting kind of historical thing, but visiting speakers were often invited to a Sabbath or a Shabbat dinner after um, some sort of synagogue service. So it could be that Jesus was invited as mm-hmm. the guest speaker. Mm-hmm. Remember, many of these people were curious as to what this one stood for, what this man stood for. Um, And of course, they were looking to catch him closely. Why do I point that out? Because even the traditions that we have, uh, that we we don't even think about, we're going to go out to dinner after church service. There's a large likelihood all we've ever done with this is copied something that came yes. from a long yes. time ago. It's not yes. dinner at you know dinner at the barbecue joint after after Sunday <laughs> service is not to be exact parallel here, but but the point is that almost anything we do. There's nothing new under the sun. Yes, you exactly. like to say this yes. all the time. You know, your your, your famous statement is you've never in, you've never invented anything original in your life. I love that. But but the idea here is that that this this is just a picture of their world, mm-hmm. and those come in handy when we're trying to study this and understand it. So. It does. It 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 gives us some background on some things that yes. that it, it may be helpful, but uh, but I, I I like that you brought up that they were watching him closely. It uh, it talks about that the word used for this this watching was a, uh, a was akin to a interested and a sinister kind of an espionage. Uh, one of the commentators had said so. Uh, they were watching to see exactly what he was going to do because they were taking note of everything he said and trying to catch him in something. Now, I when I read that, I uh, in Second Corinthians. Paul talked about a uh, that we are letters from Jesus that all men read. So what as we're about we as, as people, we are letters. He he said, and he asked him, "Are we beginning to commend ourselves, or do we need as some letters of commendation uh, to you or from you?" And and this this links now. So you are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read read by all men being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but of human hearts. So they were watching the very thing that we're supposed to be following. They were watching Jesus and everything he was doing to catch him in something, and Maybe we should watch him close as well to, to, to see exactly what he's doing, to kind of follow his lead on a lot of things. So I thought it was very interesting that they brought this up. Very good point. So so watching, sometimes we might ask that question. We say, how in the world do you get all that from one verse? They were watching him closely. How do you know that it was in a malicious way? Well, it actually has to do with studying the language. This is written by Luke, and Luke writes this with words that his audience would understand. And so this term for watching is repeated over and over of people looking to find fault in Mm -hmm, Jesus, mm -hmm, right? Luke mm -hmm. 6, Luke 11, Luke 20. We see this same term used over and over. So I I only mention that to say that when we're reading the Bible, paying attention to the words does matter. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we can get too into the details and miss the big picture. Sometimes we can zoom out too far looking at the big picture and miss the details. Mm -hmm. But a balance of both, I think, is key there. So, so verse 2 rolls in. They're watching him closely, verse 2, and it says, And there in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Dropsy is um, uh, probably um, edema. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. what most people think it is. Um, And this edema in various parts of the body, which, you know, your body is filled with fluid and and there's all all kinds of issues that come with Mm -hmm. this. So anyway, this man is suffering from dropsy. And verse 3 says, And Jesus answered and spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees. So make sure we see that distinction. Just, you know, these are these are people who are all about what the law says. And then there's the Pharisees, mm-hmm. a certain sect. Now, they could both, you could have a lawyer and a Pharisee, but the point still remains that he draws the distinction that he talked to both and said... Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? I love Jesus just Mm. wading in to say, (laughs) okay, so they were looking to catch him. Yes. And he he clearly knows this, and here's why I think he knows this, because 
He is the one who prompts this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He sees the man who is sick and he says, hey, I got a question for you guys. So is it, is it legal? <laughs> is it good? Is, it, is this lawful here? And then verse four, but they kept silent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course they did. Yes. They're not going to respond. And he took hold of him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, which one of you will have a son or an ox fall into a well and will not immediately pull him out on a Sabbath day? And they could make no reply to this. <laughs> well, I love that Jesus just went straight for it here. He, he first of all, he's asking, he's doing something that, that you see in a lot of folks who have a have an agenda for asking questions or have a or have an have an understanding. First of all, he already knew the answer to the question. And they knew the answer to the question too that it was actually lawful to heal. But he added on the Sabbath. Now, that's where the issue lies. Of course. Uh, they they uh, they didn't have a concern necessarily with healing, which is is just amazing to me that we're even that they were even sitting here or sitting there rather talking about healing someone from some horrible disease or raising the dead or do and all these things and and were and their concern was is this lawful on the sabbath now <laughs> that's that's just they totally a missing the point moment there absolutely but uh he 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 says when Jesus healed this man, they would have had to, they knew, they would have thought because their law, their Mishnah said that when Jesus healed this man, that he, they believe that he worked on the Sabbath. So that violated what they would deem as God's command. But that wasn't true, of course. Yes, absolutely. I, I love that we have all of these stories of Jesus doing what he does on the Sabbath. So he he really, in this situation, we would say a phrase like this, well, let's deal with the elephant in the room. Jesus just goes for the elephant in the room mm-hmm. right there. But remember this on the Sabbath piece that's happening here over and over on the Sabbath. These people were letting, like, for example, we remember from yesterday's podcast, we remember that they were they had let a woman... Uh, spend 18 mm-hmm. long years of her life, 19 years, whatever the, the exact year length was, but uh, they had let her live this way all of her life. Jesus's point is, you have six other days you could have healed her, but you won't do that, so right. I'll do it on the Sabbath. Right. I don't know what your problem is. And here again, he he's wanting to find out what is going on with these people. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? They keep silent, and he renders them speechless yet again because he does the work of God right before their eyes. Just powerful stuff, and Jesus is a a guy who deals straight with it, and I, I of course, love that. He he waded right in, and I, you know, it it is very uh, important to point out that Jesus never broke the commandments of God, and and that's what they were uh, accusing him of, but he now, he certainly certainly offended the Pharisees because he broke their oral traditions. He did not hold to those. He would not hold to those. So they were, they were very upset about that. I, I, I liked, I was, I had a cross reference back to, uh, uh, Mark seven. And I thought it was, I thought it was very interesting and kind of goes along with, it, it says this, uh, Jesus had said, but in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men, the oral law, the Mishnah, neglecting the commandment of God, and you hold to the traditions of men. He was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God. You know, the whole scripture about what you, the Korban, which yes. is was anything you would devote to God or you would be to honor your father and mother with, you'd say, well, I've devoted that to God. And they don't do anything for their father and mother. But Jesus went on to talk about the way that the Pharisees perverted the law of God. They, and he, it says the last verse of that scripture, Jesus said, you have done many things such as that. Yes. And and this is another one of those things that they Absolutely. did. Completely. I, and I and I love that reference because that is where we find this clear as one of the places we find this clear distinction biblically 
in the commands of God versus the doctrines of men. That distinction is important. Jesus was sinless. Jesus did not disobey the command of God. He often rejected the doctrines of men, mm-hmm. often rejected the doctrines of men. Now, the second question that he asked that renders them silent, silent again is asked in a very unique way, and it implies, uh, implies a positive answer. Which, of one, which one of you will have a son or an ox fall into a well and will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? Mm-hmm. The, the, the implied positive answer is not one of you would do that. Right. Not one of you would right. do that. And it actually is that combination of things, the healing on the Sabbath with putting it into their own worldview that makes them realize, wait a second, I can't respond to Jesus. Now, I'm just thinking about this from a practical a practical position, and that is if we really do teach the Word of God and then place it in people's lives in a practical way, all of a sudden people are confronted with the truth of their heart, and that is, oh, I just realized I don't like following God's ways. Mm -hmm. These people Mm -hmm. realized, oh, wait a second, the doctrines of men that we've espoused for so long, we actually are hypocrites. We don't even do Mm -hmm. this uh, consistently. And so Jesus's way of doing this is a masterclass in our rhetoric. It's a masterclass in how we ought to teach as as as. Christians, as pastors, as teachers, we've got to look at this and we've got to say, okay, here's the biblical principle, but let's transpose this into your world and let's really hit you where it hurts. Let's let's make you ask the question, wow, am I really following Jesus? Mm-hmm. Am I really mm-hmm. doing this? These people were rendered silent because they realized they weren't. They could not, they could not give a a suitable answer that that and uh, I'll tell you, Nathan, I I am anxious to hear what you have to say about verse five because in that verse it says, and I'd never noticed this before. It says these words: "Which one of you will have a son or an mm-hmm. ox fall into a well and will not immediately pull him out of the Sabbath?" Now, before you answer. That very thing about, about about an animal getting open wells and pits were common in Palestine. Right. Uh, they were they were f- frequently the cause of accidents. It, it was even even in Exodus, uh, they talked about what happened if if you had an open pit on your property and somebody's animal fell into it. Absolutely. Well, Jesus adds it, it, so it, and said that it was perfectly acceptable to pull that animal out of that pit on the Sabbath. But Jesus says, if you have a son, if yes. you have a son that falls into it, I'm like, whoa, he yeah. upped the ante. Yeah, so so I think what we're seeing here is a, is a really important thing, and that is he's actually revealing the absurdity to which they have gone mm. in their doctrines of men. So uh, you reference something from Leviticus. I'll reference something from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 22.4. You shall not see your countryman's donkey or his ox fallen down on the way and pay no attention to yeah, them. Yeah. You shall certainly help him to raise them up. So the, the command and was don't you dare look idly uh, b- you know walk idly by walk uncaringly past the needs of your neighbor mm-hmm. okay now what what uh, story do we have fresh in our mind but the the good samaritan story and here's how bad their laws their uh, dictates of men their commands of men doctrines of men had become that it wasn't just that they overlooked a donkey, mm. an ox. Mm-hmm. They had moved this to that Corbin place yes. that you talked about earlier, where they were overlooking human life here. Yeah. And Jesus is going, however, when it comes to your son, you'll do it. If it's yours, you'll do yes, it, yes. but you won't dare do it for your neighbor. How dare you? Yeah. How dare you? And so now we know why. That's, they're that's great. I, I was I was intrigued by the whole fact that I had never seen that before, and I don't I, there's I don't find a commentator that's actually come up with anything on that. Right. It they pass over it, but these guys now. Get the dilemma that they were in here. If they had said no, that it's not that no, they wouldn't have done. They would they would have revealed themselves for what they really were, yes. which were hypocrites. 
and 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 at best they were inhumane. I mean, they were leaders and supposed to be the 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 spiritual leaders of these people. And so, if they had said no, they would have re- they would have revealed themselves for what they really were. If they had said yes then they'd be breaking their own oral law yes. for, that governed the Sabbath. Yeah. Well, it, it, this is really a powerful point, that if they had said no, which is, of course, not possible with the way Jesus answered, asked right. the question, he's really backing them to, into a corner. But if they would have stood up and said, you know what, we wouldn't do that, you know, just in some weird defiant way, it reveals their heart. It shows when Jesus says, and he was addressing the the Pharisees and the lawyers, the lawyers knew Deuteronomy. Yes. They knew that passage. Yes. So if he was to say, how many of you, if you had a son or an ox who fell into a well, would not immediately pull him out on a Sabbath day? If they would have said, I wouldn't have done that, he would have said, you're breaking God's command. Yes. And then they're That's really absolutely. backed into a corner. So <laughs> it's just amazing. And and yes, it's only six verses, but there's so oh much in those six verses. Okay, so the parable of the guests or something like that, according to most of our Bibles, uh, starts at verse 7, and this one gets really fun. So he says, and he began speaking a parable to the invited guests when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table, saying to them. Now, just stop at that for for a second and realize this is the same meeting that's happening. Yes. And Jesus is actually conscious and aware of many things that are going wrong and happening. Mm-hmm. And he's ready mm-hmm. to deal with the elephant, the many elephants yes. in this room. So he speaks a parable to the invited guest because he notices something. He notices these people only want the places of honor. He's dealt with the leaders. He's dealt with the people who invited him to dinner. Like, by the way, it's just not something you do in today's world. If somebody invites you to their house, you don't insult them. Jesus just goes for it. Right, right. <laughs> now, and, he's and, not being malicious. He's yeah. just revealing the truth. And but, they were watching him, but he was also watching them. That's absolutely right. So verse 8 goes on. He says, this is Jesus' parable. He says, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you will, both will come and say to you, give your place to this man. And then in disgrace, you proceed to occupy the last place. We have all this imagery yes. of the first will be last and the last mm-hmm. will be first. Verse 10, but when you are invited, go and recline at the last place so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, and I love this, this line, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Give me oh some thoughts. Well, the first thing, this is, this is very uh, uh, notable that's, that it's at, an, at a wedding feast. These were the probably uh, the most important social occasion uh, in the Jewish life at that time. These things could go on for three, four, five days at a time. These wedding feasts, they would celebrate weddings. It was just a huge party. And, and, and the seating arrangement generally noted who was the important people at, at, at the party. So the ones in the prominent seats were the ones that were considered the most important. And Jesus sees these people taking the prominent seats. It's like, absolutely. yeah, and, and he says, oh, so let me help you with that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, he, he often drops this, this kind of uh, setting of a wedding feast, right? He often yes. drops that, right? Yes. And, and it can just refer to this term of a banquet, but I think there's something to that. Anyway, it's just mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. opinion on it. I, I'm, I'm in agreement with your, your last commentary on that. It's really important. So, so he sets his stage, this wedding feast, and prominent people sitting in prominent places. But the instruction is actually centered around this. You let, you let the... Um, the one who invites you place you mm-hmm. in the situation. Mm-hmm. You let him do that. What have we done in that context? What we've done is we have humbled ourselves and we've said, my position is 
per the one who invited me. Yes. Okay, we've all been to a, a gathering where, where many people were invited. Um, and, and guess what? There have been times when you were invited to that gathering and you, you stayed quiet most of the night because the gathering wasn't centered around you or mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. like this. In a wedding feast... The gathering most assuredly wasn't centered on you. Yes. And so these for, for the person to hold the place of prominence is actually for them to say, hey, everybody, yeah. I know we're here for the bride and the groom. <laughs> I know we're here for the, for the wedding feast here, but I want you to see how important I yes. am too. Yes. None of us likes that guy. Right? They're they're stealing the show. Yeah. And so we've all been to parties where maybe we've slipped in and slipped out. Why? Because it wasn't about you. We've also all been to a birthday party where everybody makes it about that person. But somebody who tries to steal that or or jump up in that place, mm-hmm. we're all uncomfortable with that guy. Oh my. Don't be that guy. That's self-exaltation. <laughs> Can I tell you a little story yeah. how I saw this played out one time? We had a restaurant at my former employee, and this restaurant was called Dick's Last Resort, and they were known for uh, going in and actually berating people. That was their whole shtick. Mm. Waiters and waitresses would come in and would just insult people, and people loved it. It was great. So this man is on his cell phone, and the waitress gets up on the table and says, May I have your attention, please? Everyone in the restaurant, stop what you're doing. Please stop talking because this man is on the phone. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So anyway, oh the self-exaltation that yes. was going on in, in this wedding feast kind of reminds me of that a little yes. bit. Yes, and Jesus's Jesus's approach here <laughs> is like that waitress a yes, little bit. Exactly. It's like, hey, I just want you to know he's talking. <laughs> yeah. We need he, to be quiet. He's important. Yes. <laughs> so so we've, we've got all of these connecting features, and, and the gist of this idea is he told us very, very rarely do we have a parable that is so clear because we have a a prompting line. Remember what verse 7 said. He spoke a parable to the invited mm-hmm. guests when he noticed that they were picking out the places of honor at the table. So everything that follows this makes Logical sense. Yes. He's saying, listen, everyone who exalts himself, he's going to be humble. Absolutely. And everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, mm-hmm. let's just talk about the the, the uh, instruction that's given here or the, the truth claim that Jesus asserts, but that he is not saying that that always happens. We've all been in a situation where somebody exalts themselves. Yeah. And we get irritated because they get away with it, Yes, yes. right? It's that guy who put himself too forward and everybody's annoyed by it, but nobody ever says anything. Well, Jesus's warning is in the kingdom of God, you better be careful. Yes. Because the one of honor is established by God. Absolutely. It is not established by us. Yes. And so I'm, I'm... returning back to this statement that was made about John the Baptist, right? There is no man, um, no man among men who is greater than John. And then Jesus says, save the least in the kingdom of heaven. Absolutely. And you're like, Oh, what, what just happened? You would think if anybody got to walk to the front, it'd be John the Baptist. You know, I mean, this guy loses his head literally for the kingdom of God. And God says, if you're a servant, if you're the least in the kingdom of God, which we can make that case a thousand ways to Sunday that it, that it's talking about servanthood, but he says, if you're the least in the kingdom, you're greater than mm-hmm, John. Mm-hmm. That's God's decree. Mm-hmm. That's God's declaration. We need to listen to that and remain mm-hmm. humble. Remain when we, humble. When we self-exalt ourselves or we put ourselves in a place of honor that's that, and, and we've done that, we show what's in our heart. There's pride there. Uh, the, it, that that self promotion thing is not is as you've said it's not of God. Listen to the to two verses from Psalm seventy five. For not from the east nor from the west nor from the desert comes exaltation, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. Absolutely. It is it is it's it's always been the case. So what Jesus was saying here was nothing new. Nothing new according to the law of God and what God had set in place. Self-exaltation was, was 
revealing these people's, their yes. heart, their motive of their heart. Yes. This same line, verse 11, is, is very much an echo of, of the psalm you read of Proverbs 29, 23. It says, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. The, the, the area in which we, we are challenged by this is in the when. When does that happen? Mm-hmm. When does the humble obtain honor? Well, we don't know that. No, right. We, we don't know that. But the promise is rock solid. Mm-hmm. God is clear with us that the humble will obtain honor. So what should we do? Not concern ourselves with when, not concern ourselves with how that honor will mm-hmm. look, but we need to concern ourselves with what we do uh, have the ability to do, which is humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, yes. right? Or the idea that says God rejects the proud but gives grace to the humble. So what should you do? Humble yourself. Yeah. James 4.10 says it boldly. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt yes. you. Yes. What a promise. He, he wasn't just teaching them uh, good manners necessarily. He, he uh, in, uh, I think it's, I think it's Philippians, uh, do nothing from uh, selfish or empty conceit uh, that don't look out for your own interests, but right. the interests of others. This, yeah. this was, Jesus wasn't, te- wasn't just trying to show them something that was just good manners. And, and, and he, he tells them there, there's a very practical way in this case for those guys to do that. Take the lower place. Do what is right in the sight of God. Not what what not what's right in the sight of your self exalting heart. Absolutely, absolutely. In our uh, in our U version Bible app in the talk it over section, Matt Wesley had chimed in uh, on verses one through twenty four, and he said, uh, "Really, uh, one through twenty four are a call to live in humility, being humble, kind, and charitable." Without expectation, and and I would I would uh, I would actually say amen to those first pieces and say, but there is even an expectation. It just has to be God's expectation. I think Matt yes. would agree with that. But the expectation is God will exalt the humble, mm-hmm. but it's God's business to do that. Yeah, absolutely, I, I think Matt's heart is to say you're not doing it for those reasons. And to that, I say amen more yes. than yes. you know more than any. But it is. There's a great promise. There's a great expectation, but it's God's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we just have to uh, trust in that. So, let's roll forward in this because Jesus just is an equal opportunity offender. In the first section of this chapter, he kind of uh, he does what he you know what is taboo, and he addresses the 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 leaders and the people that invited him. In the second part, that little section we just read, he deals with the guests, and now he goes straight for the host, yeah, right? He just yeah, like, let's yeah. just deal with you. Yeah. You're you're a goofball, right? Yeah. So he says in verse 12, he says, and he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends <laughs> or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise They may also invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. Verse 13, but when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, you know, those people you can't heal. Verse 14, (laughs) and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, what a line right there, the resurrection of the righteous. Now, remember, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. He's not among the Sadducees here. He's among them. So they were going, ooh, ears perked up. What is he meaning here? Then verse 15, when one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, We'll, we'll get to how <laughs> Jesus doesn't let any opportunity go by uh, before he addresses that guy. But let's let's look at this addressing of the guy who invited him. Yes, what's your I, thoughts? I think it's it's uh, it's it's very uh, it it was a gutsy thing to do for Jesus to go up to the one who invited him, the host of the dinner, and specifically and say. Hey, you know, I just noticed that you've only invited those who can do something for you, those that <laughs> that uh, to the exclusion of those who cannot do anything Absolutely. for you, and 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 he wasn't saying now now let me tell you he's not saying it's it's wrong to that, that to it, 
he's saying don't ever invite your friends or your brothers. Or He's not saying don't ever do that. But this man did it exclusively. He only invited those that seemingly could do things yes. for him. So the, first of all, it's once again, Jesus is going to the very heart of the matter. This is a heart issue. There's yes. no question about it. And so, and so what, we've, what we've gathered from, from all of this is, it, are a couple of key heart issues. Number one, there's the heart issue of those who refuse to heal, uh, who, who refuse to believe that it's even good to help on the Sabbath because they've adhered too much to their doctrines of men. We have the invited guests who are all about their own personal honor. And Jesus says, that's not what this is about. And then he deals with the guy who invites him and says, I'm kind of looking at everybody here and everybody wants the place of honor because they're all doing well. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get paid back for this. You're going to get a reward for this kind of thing. So he deals with every person's heart issue in this whole thing. In the, in the non-healing on the Sabbath or helping on the Sabbath, it's a bunch of people who could care less for anybody else, including, sadly, uh, the very lives of human beings. Mm-hmm. Then the next one, they don't care about the place of honor. They care about them. And in this one, the, the host actually cares about himself as well. He invites those who can pay him back. Yes, yes. Right? Which is no charity at all. It's none. It's, it's, none. it's instead um, a, a way of just making a transaction and making you all feel better. We're patting yeah. ourselves on the back. Yeah. Just, he's saying just, you, you're, just, you're not to just associate with those only on the basis of what they can do for you. Uh, that's self-centered. That's living in the most self-centered way. We're, we're called to follow Jesus, and, and he showed others their, uh, that he was more concerned about their concerns than his own. There's, I, I see people, and I, I just read a story recently where a gentleman who, who, who had the means to be able to help a ministry greatly and gave, and gave an anonymous large sum of money to a ministry and did not, the requirement was that they never tell who gave that money. So there is a guy who's never going to get the accolades from the world that, that he gave this money to this right. ministry. He's never going to get that. But that wasn't what he was in it for. That yes. wasn't what, and we don't even know who it is. So you have, there's where it's, it's not about what you can get from this world and the pride and those people that are going to, that are going to give you pats on the back and all of that. It's this, this whole thing is about a pride, a heart, a self-centered issue. Yes, absolutely. You know, if we, if we contrast what we read in verse 14 with what we read a couple of weeks back mm. on the Beatitudes, it says, um, well, let's include 13 here. He says, but when you give a reception, a banquet, something like mm-hmm. this, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Now, there there is a an understanding behind all of those kind of titles, those ideas there. But he says in verse 14, he says, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. In uh, in Luke six, it would talk about uh, turning his gaze. He would say, "Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God." There, the distinction here in those lines is, uh, "Blessed are you who," and this one is saying quite frankly, do this and you'll be blessed, right? Mm-hmm. You will be blessed if you will do these kinds of things. So uh, there, there's got to be something to that. I'm not sure I formed a too much of an opinion on it, but I just noticed the difference in the language. And he is calling these people out to say, you will be blessed by your father in heaven. You will be blessed if you will help those who can't repay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We just, we just need to esteem others more highly than ourselves. Uh, I, I love you. We've, we've talked and I've, you've, you've quoted uh, Spurgeon before Charles Spurgeon, but I, I, I saw a quote that was just Notable, uh, he says. He said that the higher a man is in grace, the lower 
he will be in his own esteem. That's fantastic. I, I, I love that. And yeah, that, just, that that goes along with the the um, the statement that I've shared before of N.T. Wright's, which is, unless we can stand humbly before a holy God, we will never stand boldly before the world. We have to stand in a place of humility. Mm-hmm. God will exalt the people. God will give you the boldness you need. God will give you all the things you need, but you have to... You have to remain in that humble position. What a powerful mm-hmm. set of quotes. So we're right back to this uh, right back to this next challenge uh, that Jesus wades into, verse 15, when one of those who were reclining at the table <laughs> with him heard this, and what had they heard? They heard him say, um, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous, mm-hmm. right? And so he tells him this. The guy responds back and says, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Uh, He could have been responding to Jesus and saying, um, no, everybody's blessed who eats bread in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure exactly which angle he's coming at, but maybe we'll figure this out. I believe we will, but (laughs) maybe we figure this out if we just follow that basic biblical interpretation principle. Keep reading. Okay, verse 16. So verse 16, but he said to him, A man was giving a big dinner. Mm -hmm. Now, here we are with stories again. Story time with Jesus, right? (laughs) A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another, verse 20, another one said, I have married a wife, and for that reason I cannot come. Verse 21, and the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city. And bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And we're going to see how this refers back to something we pointed out before. Mm-hmm. Verse 22, and the slave said, Master, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. Now, when we just keep reading, we start to understand the real statement that the man makes. Mm -hmm. The man seems to assert in verse 15 that Jesus draws a contrast of who will be repaid in the resurrection, meaning eternal life, meaning life abundantly. And the man's response is, everybody's going to eat bread in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus goes, let me tell you how that really goes. Yeah. There are people who will not eat in the kingdom mm-hmm. of God. And those are the people who don't take the invitation. Yes. So it seems that he kind of says to that guy who, who asserts something really bold, ah, everybody's going to eat bread in the kingdom of God. No, that is simply mm-hmm. not true. Mm-hmm. That is simply not true. Yeah. It looks as though that this this story about uh, this man who is having this dinner, it looks as though it's somewhat a symbol of when he talks about all those that were invited, came up with excuses why they weren't going to come to the dinner. It, we, we, we look at, at, at who Jesus went to, to, to the lost sheep of Israel. He, that was, he wanted to go to the, he was sent to the Jewish nation and Although they, they, they refused, it was always in the plan to go to the Gentiles, but they were the first to hear, yes. and they, did not, they, didn't, they didn't respond. They didn't, they didn't heed the invitation at all, uh, and, and many, many excuses. Now, it's, I, I found it uh, very uh, notable that, that some of these excuses, all of them actually, were kind of senseless. You know, you you buy ground and and you got you're gonna you or I'm I'm sorry you you yeah you buy a piece of ground and you want to go take a look at it. You don't look at it before you buy it, right? And you buy you buy oxen and you don't even know if, if they're if they can walk and pull a plow or whatever. So before you buy it, uh, you know you know only a 
a, a, a fool would buy oxen Absolutely. without ever finding out if they were if they could work. So, and then the one I don't know, maybe the guy that married the wife had the most. Had maybe had the best excuse, but <laughs> wow! But even <laughs> he went there. He but, went there, ladies and but gentlemen. It, but it, but I but I do believe that there is a there is a really deep understanding here that I saw in this that it, if this man is going to put anything before this dinner invitation, it shows you what he thought of the invitation. He would put anything before it. And all of them had that. But this man seemingly, now seemingly, he has put something that would seem to be okay. It's it's his family. So, but Jesus, we're going to find out later that, that, that piece about, you know, saying this man had the, the, the best excuse or the one that seemed to be the right excuse or something that would be acceptable is not correct. No, absolutely. I think, I think there's some important parallels to be made here, but we have to be cautious with how we do this. But still, nonetheless, all of Jesus's parallels or parables had some parallels with them, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. So a great banquet, for example, could uh, could definitely refer to this um, this Jewish hope, you know, for the time of the Messiah. Yes, um, I've shared this before. There is no clear reference between a wedding banquet or a wedding feast and that in Jewish literature, but a banquet for sure and the coming Messiah. That was a that was an idea that was pretty clear. Yes. Um, that feast or that uh, banquet was for generally was for Israel's devout, like they're kind of the higher ups inside of their world. Now, what we see of Jesus's words here is that a man was giving a big dinner uh, and he invites many. Now, uh, it wouldn't make sense to parallel this straight up with the above passage if all the guy did was invite the higher ups and not the lowly people. Otherwise, this guy'd be just like the Pharisees and the lawyers right. that had invited the people before. But instead, what happens is it says uh, at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited. So a previous invitation said, "Come from, come for everything is ready now." the The picture here seems to be the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. They had. Yes been invited. They were welcome in this place. And so he he is effectively, Jesus has come on the scene, the Messiah has come, and he has said the dinner hour is set, right? Whether we view Jesus as the slave or the the gospel peddlers as the slaves, whatever it is, the point is, come for everything is now ready. They all alike began to make excuses. Now we're going to see this, we've seen this and we'll see this in other gospels where the idea is, who are you, what are you willing to give up mm-hmm, to come mm-hmm. for the kingdom of God? I think we'll we'll even see this here shortly. But the point still remains that they made excuses. And like you said, these excuses seem quite absurd. I mean, you could go look at your land tomorrow. Why don't yes. you just hang out for the dinner now? But notice this that happens each time is that the, the people keep repeating this, Please consider me excused. Please consider me mm-hmm. excused. That literally translates, I request of you. So so this isn't to be understood as in humility. They're just asking for a rain check on dinner. Right. This is instead to be understood that they're saying, that's of little importance to me. And what I'm doing is of yes. greater importance yes. to me. This is just common how it should be read. Okay. So, or how it is read quite honestly. So verse 19 then rolls in. This is another one said, I've bought a, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Now remember, it was at the time of the dinner hour that the the slave was sent out. Right. How are you going to test out the oxen at <laughs> yeah. nighttime? I yes. don't, I, this is absurd. So then verse 20, another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. Okay. Everybody here's married. I don't get your point, you know, okay? (laughs) Then verse 21, and the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, go out at once into the streets and the lanes in the city and bring in here the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Now, if we go back to that previous uh, parable, what's amazing here, and especially if this parallel is the Father, God the Father, God the Father wants uh, anybody and everybody to come in. Yes. But if he invites you and you say no, 
you're out. You're out. Right. Absolutely. So he says, go out at once into the streets and lanes and city and bring it here. Bring in here the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. The slave says to the master, what you commanded has been done. And still there's more room. Jesus came for the poor. Yeah. Jesus came for the broken. He had already, he'd already invited them, right? He knew that, mm-hmm. that will, right? So he came, he does this. And the master says, fine, go out to the streets and highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in. I really think that this is our call as Christians. Mm -hmm. We're to go out into all the world. We're to persuade people Mm -hmm. in gospel Mm -hmm. ministry. That's part of our uh, our responsibility. So he says, compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. Now, right there, if this parallel is true, and this is the Father's heart, which I believe it is, what does God want? God wants a full house. He wants, yes. He wants a full house. Yes. He wants, just as we have stated so many times, it just it never gets old to me. He wants that none should perish, Absolutely. but that all would come to everlasting life. God is not looking at this and saying, you know, I've got a certain number on my watch. After I'm done with that, I've got enough glory. No, he wants glory that comes by his provision for all people everywhere if they will come. Yeah. Yes. Right? Verse yes. verse 24, for I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. In other words, to the man in verse 15, not everybody is going to yes. taste of the bread in the kingdom of yes, God. Yes, exactly right. And it's, it, it's very interesting that Jesus said, he says that he's, he's the one speaking, my dinner. That's my that's, dinner. So that's that's uh, that's very, this is mine. Very, this yes, is what exactly, I have created exactly. for you, and you've done nothing. Yes. And so, right there, what we've done is we've we've simply employed a really fun hermeneutical practice, and that is the the practice of interpretation that says just keep reading, and and the idea can become clear yes. as to what's yes. meant. We get into too much trouble, I think, as Christians when we stop way too early. In yes. our reading, and we come up with all kinds of harebrained ideas Absolutely. when it yes. comes to our uh, our renderings of things. So we're gonna we're gonna stop this now, and we're gonna pick up in our next podcast for tomorrow at verses twenty five through the end. And I do believe we'll have enough to um, to to fill our conversation uh, for tomorrow. So uh, as is always the case, I want to encourage you to hit like, hit share on the podcast. I want you to um, to. Try Try to invite some friends and some people outside, even outside the church, who you know just want to understand the Bible better. Uh, We encourage you to share that with them. Encourage them to listen to it. Get their feedback, too. We want to know what your thoughts are. We want to know what your questions are, points of confirmation, points of agreement, points of disagreement, all that stuff. We want you to send that to us, even your friends. We would love for you to do that as well. You can get a hold of us at piercepointchurch at gmail.com, nathanfrankhauser at gmail.com, barneyestes at yahoo.com, or you can post comments in the YouVersion Bible app, or you can uh, post comments on the Facebook thread. Uh, and even on uh, our podcast hosting site through SoundCloud, you can post comments there. So we uh, hope you have a blessed day, and we look forward to finishing up Luke chapter 14 with you tomorrow. God bless.